It's wild people are already talking about season four. I know. Like, like, can we let anything marinate? Jesus. <laughs> What's happening, everybody out there? Um, this is the Low Key Podcast. And today we're talking about Stranger Things season three. Because America, you can't spell America without Erica. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, I, I mean, I personally get you guys. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed both season one and two. Um, one of us actually haven't seen one and two, which I think is, is pretty interesting to watch a show of that caliber without actually catching up with the previous seasons. But, I don't know, it's pretty awesome, though. So, um, so Tim, being the one that has seen the first two seasons. I like, yeah, don't dry snitch on me. I mean, well, I mean <laughs> don't make it seem like it's me. It's definitely not me. <laughs> it's, uh... like, like, what, was, what was your take on everything? Like, was it pretty, still pretty easy to catch up with the storyline and, yeah, I kind of liked not knowing what was going on because you just had to immerse yourself in it and make sense of some things that made absolutely no sense. And it was fun. I mean, it's just a fun show. The same way that seeing you know, Back to the Future 2 without seeing Back to the Future 1 would probably be just an added layer of solving a mystery that made the show actually more enjoyable for me. Um, I really like Chips Ahoy. I'm exactly the same age as Erica, the Chips Ahoy girl. Um, which I was also 10 years old in summer of 1985, so I do feel like I had that advantage. of I, I knew all the cultural references, even if I didn't know um, the backstory of Stranger Things. Yeah, and that's kind of like, it almost feel like, um, in a weird way, for me, I, I understood all of the references, even though I was not born at the time, right? Like, what, when exactly does it take place? I know it's the 80s. 85. 85. So, yeah, I wasn't born. I wasn't born to 86. But for some reason, everything, every time I watch Stranger Things, I feel like it's relatable to me, especially like when, when I'm thinking about like Back to the Future, the music of the 80s, and also, you know, of course, the movies and um, the never ending story and everything. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was a really nice touch at the end there, um, particularly <laughs> given, you know, all of the. You know, all the things converging at once. And <laughs> it's like, hey, man, like, that's that's cool and all. Well, first, hey, you know, Dustin, good for you. Glad Susie's real. Hey, dog. Um, like, we got, like, the Mind Flayer chasing us. kind of need you to, like, do the fast version of the song, please. <laughs> and, uh, spoiler warning, we're going to be spoiling everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, you know what? And we didn't introduce our own names, which is fine. You'll catch up. It's cool. That's how we're going to run it today. That's how excited everybody was to talk about the show. So, um, I guess, you know, since we're just jumping around, let's, let's try to, I guess, you know, go somewhat topic by topic. Man, I t I'm telling you, like, well, first off, we're not doing this in any real structural way, and there's so many reasons that not seeing seasons one and two is definitely going to influence how you see certain stuff in the show. Um, but let's let's kind of skip some of that for now. Um, Tim, you haven't been somebody who hadn't seen it yet. Um, kind of, what did you think of just the different, like the structure of the show, like how it flowed, having the different mysteries culminate like all being separated and culminating to like one big mashup uh while the characters meet again how'd that work for you i really like it when a show gets to that point where they can just have drama of you waiting for the characters to reunite again i feel like there were whole seasons of lost where you were just waiting for them to get back together and just seeing them all in one place was such a thrill and that kind of happens at the mall 
Um, I loved mm -hmm. everything with the mall, by the way. That mall felt very historically accurate. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was really thrilling to just see everybody get back together and reunite uh, at the point that they did. I think that was, it was just fun. It was just a really fun show. And I thought they kept a lot of, a lot of things boiling at the same time. Um, I was interested in everything going on. There wasn't a single subplot that I thought, oh, this one's kind of a dud. I thought they were all pretty involving and pretty fun. It's funny because you get to see the show in season three, like when they finally got the budget all the way. Right. Because I don't even think they would have had mall budget in season one or two. Like all the stuff you saw with the monster in this season, like I think that we saw the monster like in like really be present in like one or two scenes in season one. And then in season two, it's a little more frequent, but we got a lot of monster in this one. I, and I, you know, thought that was that was really cool, too. But I did think the 80s vibe. I mean, they really captured that. I mean, clearly the design people were given free reign to say, OK, look, if you guys know how to pull it off, let's make it happen. And I thought that, you know, even though I wasn't, you know, alive at that time, the vibe you get, the the, the colors, the, the way the, you were saying the malls look, um, the kind of the recreation of the different aesthetics from the food labeling to, you know, just the way the brands were lit up and, and the just the whole atmosphere itself just really, um, it, it just seemed right. It seemed of that moment and of that time. Yeah, I, I, Keith, I, I guess you, you would um, agree with that. Yeah, and that was just, that was just also like strange feeling I got while I was watching it. Mind you, I'm watching it like super late at night. And so the scene where Dustin was singing Never Ending Story to his girlfriend, and mm -hmm. they're in the car, you got the mind flare chasing after them. The first thing I thought about, the Never Ending Story, story was low-key creepy as fuck to me. Yeah, yeah. it was. And and it was, it was kind of dark in its own way, but also beautiful in a sense. Like, it still had that sense of, of wonder, sense of mystery to it. I still, to this day, don't understand it. But uh, but I remember, I remember enjoying it and being a little bit creeped out about it at the same time. And those were some of the vibes I was getting from um, Stranger Things season three, because and I, I, I know I think they kind of upped the horror element on this one a little bit. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. the gore was is, is present in a way that it just was not out there in the first two seasons, for example. And it's not necessarily scary or anything, but you can tell that they. They 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 brought it up a little bit, you know what I'm saying? So it was a combination of different things that I love that that made me like I, I remember the last two seasons, one thing that kinda like I didn't really like season two that much. Mm -hmm. We did a review on it. Um me and Aaron did a review on it like what, like a year or so ago. Yeah. And on, on the other oh. podcast, meanwhile in the multiverse, check it out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just remember not being too impressed by season two, but I really think that season three got to be the best season so far of Stranger Things, in my opinion. And and I think one thing that I think made it stand out is that it felt the threat was a little bit different this time. Like, it felt more like the invasion of the body snatchers or something like that. Yeah. Um, there were certain scenes that kind of reminded me, like when they were in the cabin, for some reason, it, it reminded me of um, the first Evil Dead movie. Yeah. Um, so when they, when they, you know, when they were facing the mind flare in the cabin and stuff, mm -hmm. and I just love all the little callbacks and stuff. Like, yeah, if we're comparing seasons, I would say, like, 
I like this one more than season two. I I do think it has. It's weird it, for me. It, it's I think it has flaws that go back to how it doesn't really. Because I, I would say this is a consistent issue with the show for whatever reason. They keep introducing things that they just refuse to answer, you know, and that's for me just super frustrating. Um, like what? Like like everything. Um, <laughs> like literally the questions we had at the end of season two, we had the same questions at the end of season three, and more questions. Right? It, it's it's kind of. I, like I, I want to come back to this because it's, it's part of a larger conversation. I think we need to have as, as we're kind of closing out the discussion as a whole. But it's not clear to me a bunch of stuff about like what any of the antagonists want still from the entire show. Um, I mean, to me, actually, from a horror perspective, I think season one did a really great job of just being com- completely creepy. And season one and two, the thing is, Tim never even heard the words upside down probably in this entire season. Oh, I, so, had my, I had my wife explain to me what it was, and I was like, so wait, when they're like in black puddles, that's the upside down? And she's like, yeah. Right, but it doesn't even come up here. Like, it does, but it, like the upside down as a realm, like as another, is what they, you see them trying to break into. You know what, like, you understand if you've seen it before, someone explains it to you, that's what that world is. But we don't, we don't in any way experience it. In season one and season two, they allow us to in, in some way. Season one, like I said, I feel like it's just really, really good at the horror element. Um, there's a lot more surprises as far as people you care about being um, put in compromising situations. And there's not a whole, like, you know, there's not a whole lot of that here. Um, so, for example, when we see Billy, and I'm telling you, Billy, man, Billy's a problematic character. And the thing is, you know, Season three, if you just watch the season three, it's like, oh, Billy just like the hot guy in town. But Billy has a lot more going on, especially like oh, with yeah. him being a crazy asshole and a racist at the end of season two. And he's like beating him up while like the mind flayers around. Like there's a, some weird stuff they did to try to make him redeemable here. Well, um, since, since I didn't see season two, I didn't even know Billy was racist. That's what I'm saying. Wow. I mean, and again, they don't dig way deep into it. It's just a few things he says about Lucas and him hanging out with Max. It's like, oh, well, damn, that's his problem. With with Lucas and but then like it just kind of gets washed over now in this season. It's kind of so it doesn't mean like I'm not saying like that's an unanswered question, but it's like this thing that came up and they didn't bring it back. And they do this a lot in this show. Like they bring so much in, the stuff is forgotten sometimes. Well, and in, so in the show's defense, I think Billy got possessed by a demon that is not racist. So uh, that's before. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He wasn't possessed at the time. This is season two. Oh no, season two was the real Billy. The real Billy is racist, but the demon that possessed him <laughs> is super cool on racial issues, while terrible on some other stuff. You know, there's a lot of shows. There's, there's so many shows where it really bothers me that I don't understand the mythology. Like it really bothers me that I never quite understood what was going on in Lost. And there were moments in Game of Thrones when I was like, "What the hell is going on?" But this is the only show where I think not understanding it actually helps it. Because it keeps that sense of mystery that I had when I was like 10 years old and watching Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom or watching, you know, like Star Trek, Wrath of Spock, like some of those really creepy movies. There's a scene in Wrath of Spock with bugs going into somebody's ears that still haunts me. Um, Just not understanding and not knowing, like, is this part of adult life? Is this just what it's like when you're a grown up? And just the mystery and the strangeness of it, I think, really works in the show's favor. And I think if they explained it to me, if they were like, Here's everyone's secret origin. I think I would actually like it less. 
because they've ruined so many good characters from like Darth Vader to Hannibal Lecter. Not totally ruined them, but weakened them by giving us their I, entire backstory. Yeah, like, I don't need to know everything. But, like, in season two, like, season one is kind of ambiguous. It's like kind of what's happening. But then season two, they bring in the U.S. government. And you're like, oh, what are they doing here? And that's why you see that secret facility, and that's what um, Hopper and um, Joyce are talking about. And then they bring in the Russians in this season. Like, well, wait a minute, how the hell the Russians get here? Like, the, I'm okay with the idea that the Russians got there in, in a vacuum. But then it's like, did the U.S. government just, like, dip and, like, just not do anything else? Like, they don't have a base nearby? Like, after they just tried to do the same thing? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not flipping out about it. I don't really need a real explanation. But you keep bringing up new antagonists, and you're not explaining any of their motivations, and it starts getting weird at some point. Because now we have three main antagonists. We have... Two different governments trying to get into another realm for some unknown reason. I don't necessarily need to know all of that. But then also, it'd be nice to at least understand, you know, the most basic version of, like, what it is that the creatures want. Because they mention uh, that they're creating something for Ale. I think it's cool we don't know exactly what that means yet. Because it could be that they want to take advantage of her as a catalyst. So they want, like, she's their queen or somewhere. You know, like, I mean, it could be anything, right? And I think that's cool, like to not have a direct answer for that. But I've watched, I don't know, like more than a day's worth of this show, and I literally don't know anybody's motivations from an antagonist standpoint. And that's a little weird. Talking about that, I don't know. I think it fits. I, I agree with Tim in the sense that I think it fits for the particular show, and especially for them to draw it out as long as they possibly can. Because I feel like bit by bit, you get a little bit of what the antagonist wants because you got to think in the first season, nothing like you don't, the, the antagonist doesn't talk. It's just the, um, what they called it. The, 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 uh, the D- Demigorgon or something. <laughs> and yeah. Cause you know, they, you, I like how they use a lot of, um, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons type of terminology and making up stuff. Um, but, but back to what I was saying, I think it works for this particular series I, the problem would be is if we get to a series finale and we never know what was the point of the antagonist. Because in this one, too, this is the first time that the the Mind Flayer has a voice. Hmm. I mean, but it... Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the only thing for me is I'm, I'm at a... Because, look, again, Tim have not seen season two. We also have questions about these other psychics that we meet. Um... And they just don't come up in this season. Not a big deal to me by itself. But, like, they're kind of, they're not necessarily antagonists, but they're, like, another group that has some role. So, L or Eleven, has her own thing going on, and she was an experiment. But there are other experiments out there in the world, and they are rebelling in their own way. There's a lot of groups in this show, and we're not really clear exactly, like, what any of them want. Like, it's... I don't know. Like, it's not something I'm freaking out about, but I don't want another set of people to worry about in season four. It's like it's becoming like I don't want a bunch of answers coming all at once in like the last two or three episodes of the series. Yeah. You know, like for all of these different groups. Like, and I, and again, I don't really even feel like I need to know all of them, but we're getting to the point where if you just have like four or five different groups with all these different things going on outside of just wanting to, you know, live life like the protagonist. You know, like, at some point, their motivations have to matter. 
You know, otherwise we're just kind of like watching this happen, watching this happen, and then it just ends, which is fine, I guess, to some degree. I'm there for the characters more than anything, and I, I enjoy the interactions with the characters. So, um, it's you a, know, it's I don't a, know. It's a great TV trick that you, you know, establish people that you like hanging out with. You have some central mystery or some central antagonist that you're trying to understand, and then you keep throwing more stuff out at people, so they're sort of distracted by the fact that they don't know the motive of the first antagonist completely. And you just keep going. And Lost did that too, where they were like, oh, you've sort of figured out you know, who the enemy is? Well, meet the others. Well, meet this other strange guy. Meet this other strange person. And just like unveiling more and more mysteries until you're just like, wait, is this show all mysteries? And while it bothered me with Lost <laughs> because I felt like Lost was going to have a solution that I didn't feel was completely fulfilling, I don't care if there's a solution on this show. Like, I kind of enjoy the hang enough that it doesn't, it doesn't mm-hmm. bother me. Because that's like that feels like a part of childhood. As you go, oh, when I'm older, I'll understand all this. Like first, you discover all these scary things, these strange, scary things, and you go at some point I'll understand them, and then you sort of realize like, oh, I'm actually never going to understand them. Like yeah, and and that's what's what's interesting about this show. So even I think it's episode three where Will is talking with, um, he he's talking to Mike. And he's talking with Lucas, and he's trying to get them to stop talking about girls, right? He's like, hey, guys, look, girls are tripping, whatever. Let's have our raid. Let's do our thing. Let's not really worry about it. <laughs> and they, like, you know, phones ring. Oh, the girl's calling, blah, blah, blah. And he's, and he's like, look, it doesn't matter if they call. Let's, let's like, have fun. And he's like, you know, and, and Mike says, well, you thought we were just going to sit in the basement forever and just play games? And he's like, yeah, it's kind of what I wanted. Yeah. And to me, those moments actually are what end up being – you know the things that you kind of there for the most. They're the most impactful. They're you know, kind of the the driving force of the show in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, it the, that's what's always so weird. So like you know, when we get to these points where we're like we're, we are answering misses. We we're dealing with the the big bigger plot points. Um, or even like in the hospital where Elle and Mike are making up, and like we have this crazy thing happening. Like, um, all this kind of culminating and and these things are you know they're they're splicing a way that i do think makes sense but like how do these things marry in such a way where you know they don't feel like one's dragging against the other and that's always the question in in situations like this when you have so much going on um i thought for the most part a lot of places it did work well um but you know i think i I just i just wonder like how how many characters is too many because we're gonna get more I love Dustin in in yeah. his relationship with um, with uh, oh my god I can't think of his name right now Steve oh. Steve 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 Hare Dustin and Steve yeah they they <laughs> it's man seeing it, it it's so fun seeing the evolution I know in season three seeing it like in in you know just like that box is cool but like seeing how they've grown together is really interesting I kind of wish Dustin had got more time with the whole party but. Um, it was really fun to see them together with Erica and with Robin doing their thing and bringing Robin to Erica. Uh, Robin's a new character. Erica is an old character, but not she hadn't gotten a chance to do things. But those are two really strong additions to the show, I thought. Yeah. I, I also think that Steve has the most interesting character arc for me. Like, most of the other characters, they, um, they consistently kind of remain the same for the most time. Um like will he always gonna be whiny and scary and uh, whack? He gonna always be whack. Um, the other boy is Mike is gonna always be a jerk. <laughs> I like Mike, I ain't like Mike when he was a kid. 
when he was little Mike, I ain't like his ass. <laughs> Damn. You know what I'm saying? Lucas is Lucas. Lucas kind of came in clutch, though, this time, right? Yeah. Like a couple times. He got yeah. fireworks. He distracted the mind flare. So I, I like that they gave him, you know, a few. But he he he, he does his thing. But I, I definitely like um, Steve Progression. He finally won the fight because he's normally getting his ass whooped. Hey, man, but hold on. Look, in fairness, the ass whooping they talking about is against Steve. I mean, Steve. Steve against uh, Billy. And we didn't say Billy's physical yeah, prowess, like man. Jonathan, though, too. <laughs> he did? Yeah. Oh, damn, that did happen. The first season by Jonathan. And then he gets beat by Billy. I, I love the Nancy character because my job is being an editor and people will bring stray ideas and I kind of have to go like, yeah, good idea. Or like, here's why that's a bad idea. And it just to see the guy, the white-haired guy who, and also the the very '80s dude who's just like, that's a terrible idea, and just mocks every idea she brings in. How can I? Hey man, his burns I, are funny, man. Come on. <laughs> but it's like, how can I not be that guy? Because she brings in so many <laughs> solid story ideas, and she's like, how about the death of downtown? Very good story idea. Very very good idea, and they just completely laugh at her. But but look, honestly, what was so funny is. The the show like so they have this character make that joke and then the show just completely stops talking about the 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 degradation of you know of the town because of the mall and I'm like this show forgot about it like yeah. it was actually kind of funny <laughs> for me I like I, I was like this, this doesn't feel like meta commentary it feels like you know just something that just kind of happened as the plot progressed and more important things had to to go on you know, but I was like that it was kind of funny that his commentary actually ended up being something that happened in the plot they just forgot to even talk about it again but you're right because they do all those establishing shots of like the out of business signs and you know closing and all that and then they show her being right in the news meeting where she's like we should cover this. And then they totally drop it at the same time. Yeah, and they show it. Hopper talking about permits and all this shit, and he's arresting people. And then he, and then it's like, oh man, hey, I really don't want to do this. And then he gets a shirt from the mall. <laughs> and I, I mean, like, I thought that was really funny. Like, I thought that was that was slick how they did. And I was like, all right, this is cool. And then they just don't talk about it again. Which is it, it's we, not really important to the show. But it is what we all do, where we're like, I am going to protect this small business. I am going to only shop local. Did it, and then you're like, oh, I need a TV. Best Buy is super yeah. convenient. So, let me ask y'all a question. So, essentially, we got three different stories going on at once that's somewhat interconnected, right? And I feel like each one of these stories could be like a separate small movie by itself. Yeah. If yeah. you were to choose one that you would want to just focus on just by itself, which one would it be? Like, which story? Would it, you know, would it be Mike and, and L and all that? I'm going to the mall and I'm going into the Russian secret base. Because the, the most, the thing is, like, honestly, the, one, again, they do, sometimes they're just doing too much shit. I like a lot of things about Stranger Things and the universe in general, but I'm telling you, I don't need that Russian scientist. I don't need that subplot. It doesn't even oh, do dude, anything. That, I'm actually going to choose that one as mine because. As like an 80s kid, as somebody who was 10 in 1985, the threat of the Russians invading was so real to us. Like once we saw Red Dawn, we believed that was going to happen. And even to the point where I had a club, we were called the Wolverines, named after the club, not the club, but the kids in Red Dawn, where we were like ready for the, the Russian invasion. Like we were drilling for when the Russians came. I think so. Here's the thing. I think it's it's dope. It like so. The, all right. So technically, that story includes a Terminator, right? Yeah. And some other stuff. 
the problem with with that one though is at least how it works. I'm confused. Are you talking about the story with um Hopper? Hopper, Joyce, the Russian, uh, whatever his name. Alexi. I'm gonna keep calling him Smirnoff because that's what what uh, Hopper kept calling. His name was um Alexi. Yeah, and then um oh my god, I keep forgetting that other guy's name. Um, uh, the the dude who acts as like a pseudo American spy. They always go to him for information. Yeah, uh, I love that guy. So, yeah, so the thing about that plot though is once you kind of go through and you look back at everything. They actually didn't bring anything to the table. Like, even when they got to the mall, the kids were like, oh, no, 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 look, look, here's how it's going to go. And the only thing Alexi said was, hey, you got to turn two keys at the same time. And, like, here's where you find those things. But then the kids were like, all right, we already been down there. Here's where you go. Here's the, the you know, you don't even have uh, the, the I forgot, the, the somebody's constant, like, whatever that number is. And they had to do the song, and that was fun. Um, the kids do all the legwork. Oh, like, I want to see. The, I want to see the movie about the kids. If you told me there was a movie about a bunch of kids who go into a secret Russian base hidden under a mall, Indiana Jones: The Temple of Doom style, I would be all about that movie. That has everything I cared about in 1985. That, that was that was literally like my favorite um, plot trend. Like everything was Steve and Robin, and Erica and Dustin. I could have just watched that by itself and been fine. Me too. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why I asked that question. I also, I really, really, I really, really appreciate how they did the relationship between Steve and Robin. Me too. I'm glad that it didn't go the route of becoming a romantic relationship. I really enjoyed their friendship. And I and sometimes, like, I don't know if this is considered to be a sexist film trope. I I kind of hate that every movie with a man and a female and a female lead they have to be together. Yeah, I really liked how they handled it. I liked the reveal about her where he, where he was just kind of incidental to her life or kind of an obstacle to what she wanted, which was the other girl. And I like how she just kind of casually explained it. To, not casually, but the way that she just matter-of-factly explained it to him and the way that he matter-of-factly accepted it, I thought was well-handled. And just all around a good twist, but it, it didn't feel like an exploitive twist. It, I thought they handled the whole thing really well. Yeah, but I do I do say though to that it did kind of make me um at first well not necessarily feel away, but the fact that it had for them to not be romantically involved, it had to be that she was a lesbian yeah. for that not to happen. Right. Instead of just being like they just friends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's I, yeah. I, honestly okay. I'm, I'm glad that we we have that sort of representation present in the show, um, particularly it you know considering you know we're talking about the mid '80s. I, I thought that was cool that she was like, "This is my friend. I can tell him this," and and you know, like we you know we almost died all this, you know. But it would have been dope for her to be like, "Yeah, actually, like, yeah, I I just want to be friends." Yeah, it's kind of like when yeah. Kanye said, "And your girl don't like me. How long has she been gay?" Like. <laughs> like that that's kind of like how I felt Steve was thinking like oh so you don't like me because you like girls you know it right. ain't nothing. you you know so at the end of the day Steve probably his his ego ain't hurting it's like I'm still who I am like I'm still Steve the hair Harrington you know and yeah. but but I mean other than that I still like the fact that they were friends you know it was it was pretty cool yeah, do, you, do you guys know who her parents are Maya Hawk no. Her parents are Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. And what a combination. 
Dang, y'all can't see my face, but like it, my jaw dropped. Like realizing that, <laughs> I, somebody told me that beforehand, and how much she sounds like Uma Thurman sometimes is crazy. And huh. then both of her parents are great actors. Like, right, she, she crushed this too, man. Yeah, she's gonna be an huh. absolute monster in every movie for the next ten years, or or longer. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with what you said earlier, Aaron, about like her and um. And Erica really did stand out a lot in this season as as some real good new additions. Yeah. Um, I also like and, how often do you get like a totally stock character like Erica who's just like, I'm the spoiled kid who wants more samples at the mall, who then gets like a great role. <laughs> so like, they oh. totally expanded into her being like first I was like, all right, I get it, this is kind of annoying. But then they like make her better and better and give her more and more to do. Right. You just never see that. That was cool. Well, also, man, I working in the mall, they really capture how terrible that can be. <laughs> I've never had to do it, but the reason I didn't want to do it is because I just imagined how it would be, and that's how it went in my head, and I was like, there's no way. You know, what, you know without the Russian part, but, like, everything else. I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but you was down to work at a retirement home. Yeah, I mean, you know... <laughs> It, it, totally different set of circumstances, but you know, I, like I, I could put up with that. But but like you know, constantly being berated by because thing you can't mack on somebody while you working at the ice cream shop. I mean, you can try, but then you are gonna have to, you know, whatever. You, you saw what happened to Steve, dude. They got they, they got that so right. That was exactly right. I remember like working jobs in high school, and just the dude who you don't like in high school comes in, and you're like, damn. And makes Nigga. and like makes fun of you in front of the girl or whatever, and there's nothing you can say because you're on the job. It just it sucks. Well, it's not even there's nothing you can say. It's it's just like first off, you probably ain't got the clout to say nothing back anyway. <laughs> and you in your your work outfit. Yep. And you know, like, I mean, unless the girl really really into you, like on some goofy movie Disney movie kind of stuff. <laughs> you ain't, I mean, it's just not a good look. So, um, yeah, I thought they really captured that well. I do want to also talk about the the other plots with uh, Max and Elle and, and uh, Mike, Lucas, Will. Man, I, man, you know who the real loser of this whole season is? Will. But well, Will's always been the loser. Will, yeah, why Will always getting the, the short end, the short straw every season? Like, I don't get it, man. Oh. Will got possessed for season one, just disappeared upside down half time. Season two, he's out the upside down, but now the mind flayer just like, you know, his possessing the basically the whole time. He get out and then like his boys, his obsessive women, you know, they don't want to play the games no more. And it's getting to a point where everybody's growing up. They just talking about girls and he ain't really at that point yet. He's still, you know, trying to get over what happened season one, season two. And yeah, I feel bad for him. And I just feel like overall Will's been a really underutilized character. I mean, I think he has a lot of potential, but we just haven't seen anything from him much in this season uh three, outside just holding his neck and being like, Oh no, here it comes. Yeah. And I and I was just thinking about part of why I don't like Will because I feel like I was Will in middle school. <laughs> it, it it felt like all I wanted to do was play video games, hang out with my cousins. Their hormones raise, and all they want to do is be around girls, which I did, too. I was just too scared to talk to them. Because at first, I was thinking, like, and they might still be trying to go their route, try to hint towards um, Will being gay. 
because you remember the conversation that he had with Mike, and then Mike was like, well, it's not my fault that you don't like girls. His, mm-hmm. uh, his sexual orientation is D&D. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which, you know, some kids are like that, so I, I don't know if they're trying to set him up to be gay, or is it just, you know, just certain kids are like that, because, like, I was like that, too. Like, I was just too afraid to talk to girls. But I did like to, you know, play video games and stuff like that and just hang out with my boys, so. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I just feel like there's so much potential sitting there for that actor, and they just haven't given him. I mean, like, that's one of the frustrating things. Like, when I talk about adding all these different layers and things, I'm cool with that. I'm not hating on it. In a lot of ways, some of that stuff works. But we have some stuff in front of us that we need to finish. Sometimes I'm not even talking about like just plot lines. I'm talking about like use the characters you have, you know, yeah. like yeah. Will, I'm, I'm just telling you, Will, Will has not gotten a chance to do fun stuff like a Robin, like an Erica, you know, for example. And I'm not saying you need to get rid of those characters for him to have those moments, but you know, um, I think that needs for, you know, him to still be present in the show, we need to see him do more than just simply be the kid freaking out because he knows, you know, something is, is, is nearby. I mean, he tried to do some of that, you know, um, by having those guys hang out with him some more. And, like, you know, when he got a chance to, like, kind of be like, okay, like, here's what's happening and the townspeople need you, you know, he wasn't being given a chance to bounce off those guys a whole lot. The, the material didn't allow that because they were so focused on their hormones, which, is, you know, again, that happens. That, that felt like something that would happen for these characters. But I want to see him have a chance to get away from the group and do a Dustin-like thing. Yeah. If if that's how it's going to be. And I also felt like he was going to develop some type of power similar to L because I don't know, Mm -hmm. I can't remember completely, but isn't he the (laughs) only person to go to the Upside Down and survive outside of L? Well, no, you remember, uh, I mean, Hopper had to get him out, and Joyce too. Joyce came and got him in season one. But he was trapped in it. Like, he was in a cocoon and every damn thing. Right, right, right. So, yeah, he's the only one to go through all that and come back. Man, yeah. dude, okay, so, Tim, you got to go back and watch season one. There's some things, like, we ain't got time <laughs> to jump into all of it, but there are reasons why I have some frustrations about this idea that, like, you know, all right, we see the Mind Flayer. Mind Flayer says, hey, I want to build something. But it's like they had people before. And, like, for example, I don't even know why Mrs. Wheeler – wasn't taken away rather than Heather is the first host or, or the first, well, the second host, excuse me. Um, because oh. remember, remember how she was supposed to go meet, Mrs. Wheeler was supposed to meet with uh, Billy. Yeah. It doesn't happen. She goes to try to talk to him. Um, and I don't know if it was like a locker room, supply room, whatever it was, like over by the pool. And we get a fake out where he knocks out. And I guess like he's just imagining he would do that. And he just says, stay away from me. But then he does it to Heather and not her. Now, I, again, I'm not saying I need some huge explanation about it, but like, you know, it, it's, it, it's just like Heather. plot armor for the sake of plot armor. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't even you don't even have to have that moment with her, with Mrs. Willa having that crisis. And but the thing is, I thought they did a really great job of making her a little more three dimensional, having that moment choosing to stay faithful to her husband, talking to Nancy and being like, stick it through, you're a fighter, do this, do that, and then they just forget her again. Um, I think the only reason why he didn't he didn't get her, I think he still had a little bit more control over her, himself, 
because it was what the mind flare wanted to do, but not what he wanted. Like he still had control up to that point. Now, I essentially thought that he took over Heather because of who his, her father was. But uh, towards the end, since they all turned to like human goop, I guess it didn't make a purpose. Because I thought they were going to try to like have like some type of control over the residents and stuff. Yes. Yeah. That, something like that. Because the because her father worked for the paper. It's a really it's a big miss moment for me because. One of the things that they said early on, like mid midway through the season, is like because they didn't actually know the scope of what the mind flare was doing. They showed us like them getting a pretty decent chunk of the town. I mean, it, it was like tens of people, right? And imagine like an arm because remember, like they even show like when they found L. I think it's like episode six or seven, and they all the people saw us dropping what they're doing. It's like like going in a certain direction. Now that that means they all just went to become part of the mind flayer but imagine an army of these people individually going to go try to get her almost like they're not zombies but yeah. you know what i mean like that would that had potential too or even like use the paper to go after them or, or you know write a story that says some salacious or gets people against hopper or whatever like there were things they could have done or doing really interesting that i guess that maybe they didn't have time to do and they were hard to kill by themselves yes i thought that was really cool i wish they had done more of that yeah, cause you um, cause you had the other two guys at the paper that tried to kill um, kill Nancy and Jonathan at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then Billy had like superpowers. Yeah, like I don't know why it chose Billy. Probably because he was the first one to be like the, I guess, the harbinger of everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think that it was a missed opportunity to make them all fuse together into the mind flare like Voltron. And just make him bigger over, you know, having like a, a army full of like zombified people. And it also was kind of jacked up that all them people died. <laughs> yeah, like it's, but that's why Mrs. Wheeler not dying feels like a missed opportunity too to me. It's not about, I don't want her to die I like that character, but to me, we didn't really lose anybody who was a character that you know, audiences really, really cared about. Now, for some reason, honestly, oh, people really felt bad about Billy, and people were mad at Hopper because they were like, he's being so, so much of like a macho man, and being like, so, so, um, like, he has like toxic masculinity, and all that. I'm like, oh my god. Like, so, like, what Billy being the racist, beating everybody ass, and beating up Max, and, and doing all this other shit, like, he deserves to die more than Hopper. Like, what are y'all doing right now? Yeah, it's kind of like the Chris Brown syndrome. Like be if you attractive, <laughs> you're being an asshole. But if you're not attractive, then you you a chauvinistic pig. Yeah, I mean, well, if, to be fair, if Hopper looked like um, you know uh, Schwarzenegger when he was doing Conan, I think people would have been just fine with him being toxic, probably. And I don't even see nothing really was wrong. And then you got to understand Hopper's character too. Didn't he lose a daughter at some point? Yeah. Like. He he had a lot of different like underlying issues and stuff like that. And, and they were like, why did he talk to Mike like that? I'm like, are you serious right now? Are you serious? Like he's trying to get to third base with his superpowered daughter who barely listens to him. But anyway, with that, we can go ahead and wrap up. <laughs> 
This was a fun Since Mike is working right now. So for the yeah. technical difficulty. So fortunately, we couldn't get him in on the last you know, uh, bit of the, of the episode. However, if you enjoyed yourselves thus far, uh, please, please like and, and, and uh, whatever the hell your thing is on your platform that we are currently um, being heard. You know, through your your headphones, speakers, whatever you're using on your exercise, your, your, your daily commute, whatever it happens to be. Um, like, subscribe, review, share with one friend. Even that by itself does a huge service to us, uh, getting the word out. Um, we, as you can see, overall enjoyed it. Um, I have a little more criticisms than everybody else, but that was really dope. Looking forward to season four, which is already being supported in a lot of ways by folks already. Um, but, you know. Uh, yeah, anything else you want to add, Keith, before we saw closing out? Tim is with us in spirit right now, so he's gone but never forgotten. Yeah, he, he's striking vipers. You you can't see him, but he, he's just waving, waving from here. And, um, <laughs> and if you guys like this podcast, check out me and Aaron on Meanwhile in the Motors. Also, follow us on Instagram at the Loki, um, at the Loki podcast. And yes, it is. And check out um, Tim's podcast he has with his wife called Shoot This Now. And so that's about it. We out of here. All right. Well, I'll let y'all on the next one. Peace.